1: So who is Balaam, and what was his error? We'll find out next, here on Times of Refreshing. The Error of Balaam Now, we have to go back to the Old Testament to find out who Balaam is and what his error was, and we'll do just that today. But we're sent there from a small little passage here in Jude at the end of God's Word. Jude, verse 11. The error of Balaam is the subject of our time today. It's part of our little mini series here in the book of Jude. This is Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman, from the Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California join us as we take a look at the error of Balaam and how to avoid it.
2: Here now is Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. You know, the book of Jude is interesting. Jude is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ and the brother of James. A lot of times people don't realize that Jesus, after Mary had the Lord, that she did have other children, not only brothers, but he had sisters. And Jude is one of those individuals. And... Jude wrote this particular epistle because there were false teachers that had crept in and began to try to pervert the gospel and really distort, and I like how he references, the grace of God. And uh, for us as, as people, we got to understand that not everything that we hear on television, that we hear coming from pulpits, is sound doctrine, is whole or good food for us. And so we have to be watchful, we have to be mindful, we have to be very diligent. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and understand that God wants to protect us in a lot of of ways from things. And so Jude here is basically giving them insight into some of the characteristics of these false teachers. He said that they despise authority, reject authority, they they defile the flesh, and they speak evil of dignitaries. This is one of the, the great... And I, I love this. I mean, it's very clear. One of the great characteristics that we have to look out for when we're dealing with people do they reject authority? Do they defile the flesh? Are they individuals that are always speaking bad about people that are in positions of authority or dignitaries? Those that have, that were literally in the Greek means glorious ones, God's, God's delegated authority. We have to be very, very sensitive about that because that's a sign that this person. Maybe heading down the wrong road. But then he gets down and he said, these individuals, he says, woe to them, verse 11, for they have gone in the way of Cain. The first service, I basically just laid this out. Self-righteousness. I talked about how the, uh, Cain's life was steeped in jealousy and envy of, of Abel because his works weren't accepted before God. Not only was his works not accepted, but he wasn't respect, accepted. He was rejected Based on the fact that he tried to produce something with his own hands to give to God. Instead of giving God what he was after. Every good thing is not something that God may necessarily want you to do at that time. You have to find out what it is that God is saying for you to do. And I think for all of us, you know, and obviously we want to do good. But we want to be led by the spirit of God when we're doing good things. Not just doing things to gain God's approval. And so we see that he erred in that. And then he ended up killing his brother. And, uh, and then God cursed him. And not only him, but the curse began to flow through his generations. And it messed up just because he, was, he went down the wrong way. But then it says, these individuals, he says, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit. And this is what I want to talk to you guys about today is the error of Balaam. You know, it's so important that we understand that when we do things, and I said this before, that we're checking our motive for doing things. Some people do things purely uh, out of their desire to prove something to someone. They do things because they want to be seen. They do things because um, there's money involved in it. They do things for various reasons. I think we have to get to a point in our lives where we do what we do for God solely on the basis of our love for God, and our love for people. Love has to be your fuel for doing what you do in life. It cannot be, well, I'm going to prove to you. My daddy said I wasn't going to be nothing, so I'm going to prove to them. That fuel runs out. We want the fuel that, that, that never runs out. The Bible says love never fails. If you're being fueled by love, it'll get you all the way to the throne room of God. But if you, get, and you and I get to a position where we're doing things for the wrong motivation, then we're failing God. And in some cases, obviously, we're failing ourselves. But we could be failing our children or people that are looking to us as examples. Our motivation has to be right. And in this particular instance, he's talking about a person by the name of Balaam who now has run greedily for profit. He is a person now who has been fueled or moved. By his love for money. And we see this in Christianity all the time. I was just talking about this in our Wednesday night Bible study. That individuals now will not come to your church to preach. Unless you guarantee them a certain amount of money. Nowhere in the Bible that says that that's appropriate. Now a workman is worthy of his hire. We should want to bless people. We should want to shower down blessings on those who minister the gospel. If we have, somebody has sown into our lives spiritual things, it's a little thing for us to sow into their lives our natural things. That's what the Bible says. But if the person who is going to preach will not come and speak at your church unless you give them $5,000, then your motivation, that person's motivation is wrong for doing it. Because what you're saying is, You're saying is, well, I'll say it like this. Our perspective should always be, and we're going to see this as we get in here, did God send me? That's what I want to know. The the question is, is God sending me? I prayed about it. I sought God, and he said for me to go. Not, I'll come if you give me this amount of money. So that's telling me that the only condition for you really coming is if, we pay you right. How many of you ready to get into this Bible? <laughs> Go in your Bible to the book of Numbers chapter 22. We're going to see this. We're going we're to get into some scriptures here. So just bear with us. This is going to be fun. Numbers chapter 22. Look at verse 4 on down to 8. The children of Israel have just be- defeated um, Sihon, the king of the Amorites. They're on their journey to possess the land of Canaan and to do what God was asking them to do. They come into contact with now Balak, king of Moab, and they begin to give nations the beat down. And in the midst of this, Balak realizes that, uh uh-oh, they're coming our way, and we got to do something to stop them. So what does he do? Look at verse 4. So Moab said to the elders of the Midian, Now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox ok licks up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messengers to Balaam the son of Beor of Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him saying, Look A people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are set set, settling next to me. He says here. He says settling next to me. He says therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of the Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand. And they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the prince of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? I want to stop right there. So we see here a situation where this passage of Scripture has really caused a lot of confusion to people because you have someone here that obviously is in a backslidden situation concerning the fact that the Bible called him a diviner. And not only that, but you see that this person is in a situation where, yes, he possesses a great deal of authority, obviously, and had a reputation within the region, but something concerning his relationship with God evidently has gone off. And one of the things that I've learned in walking in ministry and um, you, know, you know doing what I've been doing in Christ for years now is that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. God gives you a gift, God calls you, but you have a responsibility to walk right before God and to stay focused and still yield and be led by His Spirit, if you're really going to have the effect that God wants you to have. And so this particular passage of Scripture doesn't doesn't really, you know, startle me at all that God's even talking to this person, because evidently at some point in time, this person had a relationship with God. When you study the Scripture at some point in time, he must have been having had a relationship with God if God was You know, he had this reputation and if God was speaking to him the way that he was speaking to him. And so saints, I want to just remind you about this. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Just because you have a gift and a talent and it works doesn't mean that you're right with God. This is the confusion that you have with a lot of people in church. Well, God must be blessing. And I wrote this down. You can use gifts and God not be happy with you. Because the issue here is what is empowering your gifts? Is it you? Is it you out of your natural talent and ability? Is it evil spirits? Is that what's giving you power to do what you're doing? A lot of people that are involved in witchcraft now, some of these people started off right in the church as prophets. But they backslid and opened themselves up to, to bad spirits. And now those spirits are using them. Do you know a lot of times, even, even some of the, a lot of these musicians that we see and singers, they started off in the church. They can sing. They got a talent. They started off in the church singing to God. But then they left. They allowed themselves to be overtaken by evil spirits or just their own human spirit. But we want to be people that are in our gifts and our talents our abilities are empowered by God and by the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, saints. Now hear me real clearly as I say this to you. Listen to me, please. There is a difference between gifts and callings and the anointing. Understand, the Bible never said that the anointing was irrevocable. It said the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. But it doesn't say that the anointing is not. So what we want on our lives is the gift and the calling, but we want the anointing. Because that's what gives you power to do what God's asking you to do. Can I have an amen in here? And so it says your evil spirits, I put you, your evil spirits, or the spirit of God. But the key to all of it, and we're going to see this as we get down in here, the key to all of this is your motivation. Your motivation. Your motivation keeps you in a position where the anointing continues to flow. And you're doing things to please because you love God and you love God's people. And you're not doing things because you're greedy for money. Or you want to be seen. Or you want to become popular. And this is the mistake that he got into. We know the story. He goes before God. God tells him, because God loves the people. Because he loves Israel. He speaks to them. He tells them, you can't, you can't curse them. They're blessed. He goes through this series of dealings with God. To the point that at the end, he basically told Bain, like, you can't I can't curse them. They're blessed. But there was a problem. And I've shared this before in this church. Go to Numbers chapter 25. There's a problem here. Because on the service, it looks as if Balaam has been obedient. It looks as if Balaam has done what is right in the sight of God. But Balaam, because he was motivated and moved by his desire for money, he opens something else up here that just blew me away as I studied this. Look at this in 20, verse, chapter 25, verse 1 on down to 8. God has already said that they're blessed. He, he released a blessing. He said that they were blessed, the children of Israel. But look at verse 1 in chapter 25. Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the, woman, with the women of Moab. They invited the people to, to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who are joined to Baal of Peor. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses. Wow and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel, who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and, when he had, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman, through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel." Powerful now, we see here. God said they're not blessed, God said they are blessed. He said they are blessed, you can't curse them. But in this particular situation, we see something happen here that is amazing. The enemy is a strategist, he knows. Now, watch this, he's a strategist. He knows that okay, the only way if God, if I can't use this diviner who's in a backslidden condition to speak a curse, then. The only way that I can get the children of Israel to fall prey to deception is by getting them to, or, or to, to God's to, the only way I can get God to get angry with them so I won't have to touch them, God will, is if I get them involved in sexual immorality. I get them to join themselves with someone. I get them to disobey God because now we won't need to curse them. God will be angry at them and he'll deal with them. So the Bible says the anger of the Lord was aroused against them and God sent a plague because of their rebellion and disobedience. The question is, how did they know? How to get children of Israel, the children of Israel, in this predicament? Come back next week and I'll tell you. How did they know? How did they know that this is, if you do, if you do this, then the plague is going to come down and they'll get jacked up. God will just tear them up. How would they know? Watch this. The Bible is awesome. Go to Numbers chapter 31. Numbers 31. God wants to deal with the Midianites. They've joined themselves with the children of Israel. God had the judge on Phinehas stops the plague. Now God is not done. He still wants to deal with this Midianite issue. And in verse 14, it says this. But Moses was angry with the officers of the army, with the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds who had come from the battle. And Moses said to them, Have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of who? Through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation Of the Lord. I want to stop right there. So now we see Balaam knew that he could not curse the people. Because God said they were blessed. But what he did was because he wanted the money. And I'm going to prove it to you in the scripture. Because he wanted the money. He said if you want to get them in trouble. Then I'm going to counsel you on how to get them in trouble. You get them joined together with The women in your nation. And that is a violation of God's law. Because he doesn't want us to be joined to other people. And he doesn't want them to be worshiping false gods. And then it won't matter what you guys do. Because God will get upset at them. And he'll judge them for what they've done. And saints listen to me. This is the counsel that he gave. So that he can get the money. Now watch this. Saints All of us here have to be watchful. The devil will strategically try to place people in your life, even false teachers that are in your life for the sake of coddling you and for the sake of um, comforting you in your sin so that their ministries or churches can become more packed. I'm just, can I just talk about this? this I'm just going to preach to you all today. Because what happens is is this. The devil doesn't mind you coming to church. It's not as you're not living for God. And if that means I've got to take the message and water it down so that I can fill my coffers to keep this machine running, then I will do that. Because my motivation isn't to see your life change into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ from glory to glory. And to become so full of God that you get delivered from self and become everything that God wants you to become. My goal is, the enemy's goal through people is just, I want to have a big church. So I can get my stuff. And so the motivation is wrong. And the counsel is wrong. Wrong. And the deliverance isn't there. And the freedom isn't there. Based on the fact that a person, as we see with Balaam, is being moved. He's being moved. They're being moved by motivations that aren't pure in the sight of God. We have to be very, very mindful of this. Because many people have gone in the era of Balaam for a prophet. He said, I can't curse them, but I can show you how to curse them. You do this, but as long as you're giving me my money, I don't care what happens to them. And this is what happens a lot of times. I see this happen. Where people, it's, there's not a love for God and a love for people. It's, I'm going to preach a message that, that if people remain bound, that's fine with me as long as they're coming to church. And I look good when they look at my, my newsletter. Saints, I don't want to have a church where we have a bunch of people in here and we're packing the place out and we have good service, but people are bound and addicted to drugs and not walking with God and and fornicating and lying and cussing and stealing. I mean, why are we here at church? The sign of our ministry being a good ministry is not how many people are coming to the church. It's how many people are living for God in the church. Can I have an amen in here? So he gave him the counsel... Because he wanted money to get these people in their, in their situation. I'm going to prove it to you again. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 14 on down to 17. He's talking about the doom of false teachers. And as he gets down in verse 14, speaking concerning these individuals' character, it says here in verse 14, Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. He says these people are enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. This is what Apostle Peter is saying concerning these individuals. He says in verse 15, they have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of what? Who loved the wages of unrighteousness. He says, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. So the Bible called him a prophet. But we also see he was a diviner. Why? He was in a backslidden condition. He had the gift and the calling. But now he's anointing. He says here, these are wells without water. Clouds carried by tempest. For whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. This is dangerous. So we see once again he is in a situation where this man, he loved the wages of unrighteousness. Did not love God. Did not have a love for the people. But his whole motivation for doing what he was doing, we see in the story, was simply to get paid.